0: big time weekends and thanks for starting it with us here on the big show ktgr and ktgr.com it's andy and producer chris here no brendan Schaefer today but he'll be back next week getting you set for the college football championships you can hear oregon and washington on ktgr tonight starting at six o'clock and then tomorrow night you can hear the acc championship between louisville and florida state with coverage also starting at 6 p.m tomorrow night let's get the vegas perspective on some of these games here with rob vino of WagerTalk.com. you can find him on twitter at rob vino sports and uh read his great work at wager talk robbie what's up i am good today
1: andy how are you
0: we're doing good uh it's uh, a great weekend it's shaping up to be a good one football wise and we were really talking back and forth about man what's the committee going to do with florida state uh if they uh, end up winning this game no matter what the margin might be what the playoff is is going to look like i i wonder how you kind of see it from the vegas perspective robbie of the Florida state situation with their quarterback looks like maybe even Tate Rodemaker might not even play tomorrow. Uh, So Brock Glenn is getting ready as if he might have to take some meaningful snaps, but how different does Florida state look to you uh, without Jordan Travis out there? And and particularly from that last game when they were going up against Florida. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you're just taking, um, you know, my opinion, the sports betting community, the bookmakers opinion, I don't think any of us see Florida state in their current uh, state as one of the best four teams in the country. However, we're not the committee and we don't do the selecting. So until they come to us and ask, we'll just see what they put out in front of us and what point spreads they give us. Um, But I would say this guys, I would say that if, if FSU were to win tomorrow night, and especially if they were to win by no matter what margin um, in what's, I guess, predicted to be or projected to be rainy conditions with a third-string quarterback go undefeated. I don't know how they keep them out of the four-team playoff at that point in time. I don't think they will. Again, I don't think they're one of the four best teams, but if they do win that game with a third-string quarterback, I can't believe that they'll be held out of the uh, four-team playoff because you're assuming at that point that by the time the semifinals start, Kate Rodemaker would be healthy. And he's already beaten Florida, so I think they would let him in. But it'll be interesting. I mean, Louisville certainly has the opportunity in front of them to make it a lot easier on the committee. And then they'll have to deal with other scenarios, right, because there's plenty of other things that are going to go on here that are going to dictate um well, all ends up being the final four there's been enough debate about it this week to last a lifetime
0: absolutely and we'll we'll see what the machinations look like after some of these results start coming in a, a big domino tonight between oregon and washington to kind of decide who might be representing the pac-12 in the college football playoffs. sir sure, seems like the winner might be in from from this matchup it, I was a little bit surprised to see the point spread with Oregon, such a heavy favorite. I understand they've been playing a whole lot better recently, blowing out their opponents maybe a little bit more than than Washington had. But uh, with how close this game was and and how much that might inform what this matchup could look like, do you see value here or in both the point spread and maybe even the total that's around the mid-60s?
1: Yeah, it's funny. This point spread, it did reach a peak of 10 and then came back to nine-and-a-half today, and it's, it's somewhat bounced. I even saw some nines earlier today. So Washington took a lot of money as far as the last 12 hours are concerned, but we're seeing nine-and-a-half right now. So it'll be, I'll tell you what, Andy, it's a 12-and-a-half-point turnaround from when they played in Seattle, right? Washington was home that day. They laid three. So at that point in time, October the 14th, which seems like a lifetime ago in college football, Um, But at that point in time, Washington was flying high and odds makers thought, you know, in their number of minus three, they figured, hey, listen, these two teams are even. We'll give you three points for being at home and we'll see what happens. And what happened was Washington won by three. In that case, you know, Oregon misses a 42 yard field goal at the final um, as, as the clock ran out. And they had a couple of chances, right? They had uh, two turnovers on downs inside the Washington 10-yard line. So if Dan Lanning chooses to go for a field goal on fourth down from the Washington 3, if he chooses to go for a field goal on fourth down from the Washington 8, he ends up either in overtime or maybe even winning the game. Or even if Oregon had converted either of those and goes on to score a touchdown, um, they win the game. So, I walked away from that game thinking Oregon was the better team and that if that game had been played in Eugene, they would have won. However, this is a neutral site, perfect conditions, which is great for a throwing team like Washington. Um, You know, I don't know that there's a lot of value in full game betting Oregon here. And the only reason I say that is because I would be worried, worried, worried that even if they were up big, Michael Penix and company – have the ability to get that last touchdown that could change the point spread, so I wouldn't do that, but I do think that first half might be worth looking at with Oregon here. I think they're minus five and a half at this point in time. You might see some sixes, but you can get five and a halves out there. Um, It's certainly a revenge situation. Oregon certainly has been here a couple of times in the last few years, and I I love Kalen DeBoer, another reason why I wouldn't really want to bet full game Oregon, but you have to respect Dan Lanning coming from Georgia and the way his defense is played. The defensive disparity is huge in this one between Oregon and Washington. And let's face it, Washington's been hanging on by a thread for a long, long time. So my personal outlook is that Oregon will come out of the shoot pretty quick here and maybe have a lead better than six or at least by six at the end of the first half. And then we'll see what happens in the second half.
0: Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com with us on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. SEC Championship's going to be fascinating, too, with Georgia and Alabama. I mean, a, a usual matchup, but, I mean, Georgia has seemed a little more malleable this year. Look, they haven't lost, so you give them credit for that, but teams have pushed them here and there. And most recently, Georgia Tech was uh, a possession away uh, from maybe making that a little more interesting in the last uh, matchup. I wonder whether there's a little bit more weakness that we saw from Georgia for this one, or are they going to look at the tape in that and say, look, we, we know exactly how to fix this, there's no more messing around, it's time to win a championship.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a funny um, situation for them, Andy, because neither one of these teams is a vintage defense by Alabama or Georgia standards. Um, I mean, you pointed toward Georgia Tech, and we can go back a step and please the home crowd listening here and say that Missouri had this team on the ropes. And Mizzou, for what it's worth, it, it, they, well, I guess if you take the running quarterback into effect, you can't make that statement. But the balance on offense that Missouri has did create trouble for Georgia, much as running quarterbacks, which we'll have in Jalen Milro tomorrow, have created trouble for Georgia. So um, I think that Alabama has an opportunity here. The, the, diff, the one big thing I saw when I was handicapping this game is that Georgia has not allowed a lot of touchdowns outside the red zone this year. They kind of plug up the big play. Uh, only allowed six on the season. Now, you can justify some of that or write some of that off by saying, listen, the SEC East was not loaded with great offenses. Again, Missouri was you know, next to Georgia, head and shoulders, above the rest of those SEC East offenses. So they didn't play a ton of quality offensive teams, but they don't allow big play touchdowns. And Alabama, in their recent offensive surge, has been a mass of big play touchdowns. Whether it be Jalen Milroe running, whether it be Jalen Milrow throwing deep. Um, we saw the Isaiah Bond miracle that pulled out the game last week. So that'll be a situation to look for. But if I sum it up, I think Georgia, you know, when Brock Bowers came back from injury the very first game he was back against Ole Miss, they gained 661 total yards offense. <laughs> they probably can carve the Alabama defense up and. To counter that, or or to add to that, I would say that I think Alabama's going to have their moments against the Georgia defense, which, as you mentioned, has shown some vulnerability. Um, The total's been pushed up. People see it that way now. They bet it down to 53.5, and and it's come back up to 55, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a higher-scoring game with Georgia you know, finding their way somewhere to 35-38 to win it. And Alabama, probably just not enough to keep up, but enough to get it over the total.
0: Rob Vino of WagerTalk.com with us on the big show, KTGR. So those will be some fascinating games to watch in college football this weekend. To the NFL, uh, Chiefs on Sunday Night Football against the Packers. You know, I uh, I keep looking at how they, they played against the Raiders, and look, they didn't start all that well, but they eventually steadied things, and we saw a little bit more vintage Chiefs, especially on offense, uh, with how they finished that game and got what ended up being a comfortable win. How tough is playing in Lambeau now with this particular Packers team? I know they looked good against uh, Detroit uh, on Thanksgiving, but is that because, is that still a home field advantage that should make people pause about maybe looking at the Chiefs side and laying six?
1: I don't think it's that type of advantage where Kansas City's concerned. concerned. Um, Andy, I mean, that that Chiefs team has been in every – Difficult venue there is to be in over the course of the last three years, uh, maybe four. So they're not in awe of it. And I did hear, you know, it made mention this week of the fact that, oh, it's going to be 25 degrees in Lambeau. I've been in Arrowhead in December. It's cold. So I don't know that that's going to affect Kansas City whatsoever. Um, As long as there's not a ton of wind windy conditions anywhere in 25 miles per hour better than Patrick Mahomes can throw through anything and the Kansas City team will be just fine in cold weather. I think what happened on Thanksgiving Day with Green Bay beating Detroit, more than it being a signal that maybe Green Bay is getting things together at this point in time, I actually think it gets Kansas City's attention a little bit, right? What could have been considered a little bit of a walkover game, now all of a sudden Andy Reid has something that he can preach to his team. Hey, listen, they just took an 8-2 team out real easily on their home field, so don't take them lightly. I don't think KC will. I do think what we saw against the Raiders out of the Chiefs after they dug themselves a 14 nothing hole was a good sign, especially from the offense. Um, so I like the Chiefs here. It's a solo Sunday night game, right? So the whole nation will be watching. I would expect Patrick Mahomes and company to shine in that type of setting. And I just don't think Green Bay is there yet. Kansas City defensively can still make life tough for Jordan Love. And I don't know that they have the personnel if Kansas City's fully focused, which I think they will be
0: yeah we'll certainly see in that one and then uh another big game this weekend between San Francisco and Philadelphia not too many times you're going to see the Eagles underdogs at home in this day and age but that's the case here uh, it it seems a little a little bit deserved i would think i mean they they've gone through some of these games and sure they've won them but maybe not all that convincingly and then San Francisco with how much talent they have uh how do you kind of see this one Robbie what's kind of the the way that you sort of lean here
1: well, around these parts, Andy, because I'm just outside of Philadelphia, I mm-hmm. mean, the pot is stirred. And it just continues to be stirred since the championship game last year by the 49ers, right? They really haven't stopped um, chirping about not having a quarterback, not having their full complement of players. We would have destroyed you if, in fact, or whatever. Um, the Eagles hear all that. <clears throat> the Eagles know all that. And San Francisco certainly is going to come in here with situational advantages including that one, which is motivational. Uh, For the Eagles, it's been a gauntlet. It's a hard schedule, a hard section of the schedule to play through. Uh, The Kansas City game, they could have easily lost. The Dallas game, they could have easily lost. Their most recent game, they could have easily lost. So they keep coming out on the right end of these things. I think that there's a portion of the betting community that thinks that at some point luck runs out and that's why we saw such a drastic move in this game and philadelphia opened as a favorite and now they're a three-point underdog we saw this number come from three down to two and a half for a short period of time yesterday or late last night it's back to three now i don't you know if you like san francisco andy i would say you probably missed your opportunity Mm. um if you like the eagles Then maybe here's your shot to take three points, and and, or you know, think that they're if you think they're going to win the game. But I don't know if this is going to move off of three. It'll be interesting to see because the pouring in of San Francisco money was so large that you know if they if these sharp syndicate groups continue, uh, let's say tomorrow night or early Sunday morning, and we see three and a half, that would be absolutely crazy. I don't think oddsmakers want to come off of this number. To me, I know Philadelphia is going to be motivated, and Lane Johnson being back is huge. It's one more thing real quick here is that, you know, an offensive tackle like Lane Johnson is once in a generation, and he's not accounted for in the point spread whatsoever. Um, so certainly Philadelphia will be better maybe running the football here. I would like San Francisco, but I couldn't play them laying three points now. Like I say, if you like the 49ers, I think you'd probably miss the boat.
0: Rob Vino of com with us on the big show, KTGR. All right, Robbie, what's the, the free pick that you like this week?
1: You know, I think we'll go to tomorrow's Big 12 game, Andy, and it's true that Oklahoma State has owned Texas recent history-wise. I think they've won 8 of 10 or something crazy against Texas, and last year they beat them. But if there's one team the way this whole thing is shaking out here, and because of the time frame that they play in, which is, noon eastern tomorrow's 11 central they won't know all the results they'll know this oregon washington result but not the rest if there's a team that has incentive to tack on a touchdown late to make the score look better it would be texas they they don't get the best of opponents or the most respected of opponents by the committee right they probably view oklahoma state as an above average team but Beating them, nothing special, especially when you're a 14 and a half point favorite. So Texas has to have style points here. And I'll just point to last week's game real quick here where fundamental matchups are concerned. Last week they played Texas Tech. Texas Tech, philosophy wise, is predicated on getting the run established and then working off of that. Texas had the best run defense, still does, in the Big 12 all season long. And in fact, they were 42 yards better against the rush per game they only allowed 82 then the second best team in the big Four, which was Iowa State allowing 124 last week Texas Tech could not get Taj Brooks going they lost 57-7 with Oklahoma State it's really the same story they have to get Ollie Gordon going running the football. otherwise it becomes difficult for Alan Bowman in the throwing games you have to respect Mike Gundy yes and perhaps he comes out uh, to start the game with something creative that gets a quick score, much like Texas Tech was on the board quick last week. But when push comes to shove, Texas is way too talented. They have too much to play for here. If they do win big, they do have that win in Tuscaloosa to fall back on. So maybe that's appealing to the committee. Um, but I think they have the incentive to do so. They have the personnel to do so. And the fact that Xavier Worthy, one of their star wide receivers, is a go now is really good news for Texas. So I'll take Texas minus the 14 and a half.
0: All right, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there between Texas and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game tomorrow, starting at 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. Great to have Rob Vino of Wagertalk.com with us on The Big Show. You can find him at Rob Vino Sports on Twitter and go to Wagertalk.com to read all of their great stuff. Robbie, thanks for coming on, uh, as always. Hope you enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll talk again soon.
1: Thanks for having me, Andy. Have a good weekend. Take care.